0: Here is a look at the top 10 in the 2024 class as it stands on Monday morning, October 30th, 2023. UGA still number one, followed by Ohio State, UF, and FSU. We got Alabama at five. And this weekend, we saw some big changes to the back half of this top 10. Texas A&M down to six, even after losing recent commitments from Jalen Miller and Weston Davis only down a spot. But then you have LSU at seven. The Tigers move up with the flip of on three, five-star Weston Davis from A&M. Oklahoma at eight, followed by Notre Dame and Oregon. Now, Texas Texas is at 11, but they were as high as nine earlier in the weekend. We're going to talk all about it today. Hit subscribe to the On Three Recruits channel. We're about to get this thing cranked up, and we want you to be a part of it. Today on the Inside Scoop, LSU does some damage to Texas A&M's commit list. The Longhorns, they are not done after landing five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo. But first, we're going to talk a little Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma's top remaining offensive line target started trending to Nebraska over the weekend, but the Huskers made a move that could backfire on them. In this video, we're going to bring on the best OU recruiting insider in the business to break down the Sooners' chances at landing Grant Brick's. How will OU finish their 2024 class and some major flip targets down the stretch? Oklahoma fans, subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. Look, almost to 20K. Sooner fans, help us get there. Hit subscribe. Thank you. Okay, let's bring on my guy Josh McQuistian from Soonerscoop.com. And before we get into this whole Grant Brick situation, OU did land a major commitment. Four-star safety. Reggie Powers, over the weekend, committed. Top 20 player at his position. But Josh, the Sooners now have 27 commitments. We're getting down to those last few spots. What is the biggest remaining need for the Sooners left to fill before signing day?
1: Well, uh, you you know, you with your lead-in, you kind of answer your own question there. There's no question that offensive line still has some holes Oklahoma needs to fill. Uh, Several commitments in the class already, but... Landing a guy like Grant Bricks, uh, finishing with a guy like Eddie Pierre-Louis out of Tampa, and obviously Oklahoma hasn't given up on the chase for Jordan Seaton. I know that's an unlikely win for Oklahoma, but they're hoping to get him in for an official visit. At that point, you know you kind of hope something something great can happen for Oklahoma. I'm sure that's yes. their thought. So there, there's no doubt that offensive line is the area they still have to address, and largely have filled most of their other needs in this class. Okay,
0: well, then let's just talk Grant Bricks right now, why don't we? The number three-ranked interior offensive lineman in the country seemed like his recruitment was starting to lean toward Oklahoma, but then this past weekend, there was a shift. The Nebraska staff, they parked their equipment truck outside Bricks High School as a reminder of their presence in his recruitment. Josh, was this the big move that Husker fans think it was, or is this a chance that it could actually backfire on them?
1: It's an interesting conversation. Now, you, uh, my initial response, knowing what I do at Grant Bricks, talking to people that are around him, and again, I can't say it enough. He handles recruiting very differently than any player I've ever covered uh, in you know roughly 20 years of doing this. He's a guy that doesn't even talk to the coaches a lot. This just isn't a guy <laughs> that's very active with how he wants to you know, or not active, but just very um, subdued with his recruiting. He's not a guy that that's what's on his mind all the time. He really is a guy thinking about his team and just doesn't get into all the pomp and circumstance. Um, So you kind of wondered initially, like, is this going to backfire? This is a thing that when he walks into his school, everybody at his school is staring at him, and you know, he's it makes him a bigger focus of attention. I don't know that that suits his personality, but then when you look at it and he shows up in Lincoln on Saturday, maybe it did. Like maybe my read on that is wrong, Um, but I just knowing him, it feels different it feels off strange or it feels off place but at the same time (laughs) you you, uh i guess maybe he just likes big trucks i i I don't know i don't have a good (laughs) answer but like i said my my gut tells me it didn't work but the the results seem to have paid off Yeah, because you're right. He
0: was in Lincoln, all smiles on the weekend on the sidelines at Nebraska. And the reason why he's trending so heavily on the recruiting prediction machine is because Husker insiders are making those predictions. The guys at on three, the guys at 24-7 all have him trending to Nebraska right now on the RPM. So from the Oklahoma perspective, are they right?
1: I don't doubt that there's concern. Now, I think what. I, I have heard some talk, and I remember early in the in the season, there was a lot of talk that he was going to make his way to both Lincoln and Norman one more time before mm-hmm. he made a decision. Now, that seemed to fade as the year went on. This may be the first step in that. That, that may be he goes to Lincoln, and then not this coming weekend, uh, but the the following one, Oklahoma will be back at home, and he could make a trip there. And then maybe he's ready to make a decision after you know, months and months of us thinking it could be coming at any point. So I, I think there's valid concern. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I thought Oklahoma had just about closed this door. But right. i for Nebraska before. Early in the season, I know Oklahoma really had to fight off uh, a, a lot of talk of a decision that was really close to coming just before the start of the season. So um, it's tough to know. Like I said, with Grant Bricks you're reading tea leaves on everything because there's no hard and fast information. But I, I, if you made me pick right now, I probably would lean in Nebraska's direction a little bit, but I think it's going to be dependent if Oklahoma can get him back on campus.
0: Yeah, it sounds like uh, coming from you, you don't think this one's quite over yet, whereas Nebraska experts are kind of leaning on the most recent developments and putting Mm -hmm. those picks in. Now, I agree. If he does make it back to Norman, then I think this thing could sway right back in Oklahoma's favor. Not done yet. We'll see. Okay. Not a lot of room left, but the Sooners will always have room for these names. They are five-star flip targets. Let's bring them in here. Athlete Terry Bussey, who's committed to Texas A&M. Defensive lineman Williams Winery, who's committed to Mizzou. And five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley, out of the state of Louisiana, but committed to Texas A&M. Let's start at the top. Terry Bussey's a very interesting one. He's been on campus at Oklahoma before. What are you hearing right now on where the Sooners stand?
1: You know, we talked about at the time of his commitment, Josh, that there was a feeling that Oklahoma felt like they were working towards signing day more than what his initial commitment was going to be. And I know mm-hmm. he's got an outstanding relationship with Emmett Jones, Oklahoma's first year wide receivers coach. They've really hit it off. I I, I could argue that might be his best relationship. He really likes uh, Emmett a lot. At the same time, I, you know, the AM pull, the reasons that he picked AM are all still there. I mean, like we, we know they put together a strong NIL package. There's a lot there for him to like. And, you know, it's why he chose AM the first go around. So I don't know. Uh, we talked about it at the time. I, I felt like the wheels were going to have to come off at AM and we were going to have to see real cracks in the foundation before that was possible. Are we seeing that? I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to have to see the AM money men to know what what that's going to look like as far as what they want to do with Jimbo Fisher going forward. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think LSU's made a real run, and I think they're very much a part of the equation. What's interesting is both A&M and LSU like him at corner. Oklahoma wants him at receiver. Uh, Very unusually, he doesn't seem to have a preference. Usually that can work out for the school recruiting you at receiver because guys just want to have the ball, but Terry doesn't seem to let that factor in too much.
0: All right, now let's talk about williams and I haven't heard as much around Oklahoma as we did in week one, right after he showed up in the Oklahoma. Was it cleats or gloves for his opening game?
1: It was gloves. Yeah, it was
0: the cleats. Mm -hmm. Now, do we have any other uniform updates, or what is going on with williams and his his recruitment to Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, you know, I've never seen such a fashion-oriented Oklahoma fan base uh, as we have this year, but no – With Williams, I think it's calmed down. I think you have to give a lot of credit to Missouri. It's because Missouri's on-field product has been so good; they look like they've made a real step forward. And that was kind of kind of like what I talked about with Terry Bussey. That was always the assumption: is if things go bad and things get shaky for that coaching staff, uh, Oklahoma could have a door. You know, the door could open for you. But right now, both schools sit at seven and one and are going to be playing in the SEC next year. Like I I don't know. What Oklahoma's done to change the things that made Williams make that decision the first time around. Now, I know there's a lot of people that think that was, you know, more about the family made that decision. And that's fine if you want to believe that. But at the same time, the family's not going anywhere. There's still his family. They're still part of this equation. And so I just don't know if I can believe that Oklahoma's going to turn that around when we all know, we've all heard the talk, you know, Missouri. Missouri rolled out the red carpet for Williams Venary. They, they are not going to be beaten on the things uh, Nil, you know the, the state has packaged a real a real win for Missouri the University. Um, so I, I again I, I don't know um, that I I find it all that plausible. It's not impossible, but I don't I, I just again I struggle to find why that narrative is going to change uh, you know with with a month or so to go now. Yeah. Hey,
0: and we'll see what happens down the stretch. If Williams, Winery can make it back to campus, but as of now it seems like things kind of stalled out after those early season rumors. Now, one more five-star flip target though. And we're going to go back to Texas A&M because their commit list is vulnerable and we are seeing some cracks in their foundation. Draylon Miller has decommitted Weston Davis flips Terry bossy looking at LSU and Oklahoma Now we get to Dominic McKinley, and he's in the trenches. He's a five-star. He's from the state of Louisiana. He's committed to Texas A&M, and I'm sure, again, it could be as soon as an LSU battle trying to loosen him up
1: from this Texas A&M commitment. What do you think? I think this one, and if you would have told me I would have felt this way a month ago, I don't think I would have believed you, but... I think this is more likely than Williams Winnery, strictly okay. because, like you said, you're already starting to see the cracks in the foundation. And unlike Williams Winnery, who we know at the time told our guy Chad Simmons that Georgia was actually his second choice. I mean, that was his runner-up option. Um, if if you you know, if you take that at face value, well, you look at Dominic McKinley, I think it's pretty clear Oklahoma was his second option. That that was the school that that A&M beat out there at the end. If things were to fall apart now. LSU again. We we just can't rule out LSU in Louisiana. Anybody that's followed recruiting for ten minutes knows that's just a inevitable reality of covering that state. But I, I just I know the the family really liked the relationship they had with Todd Bates, the defensive line coach at Oklahoma. Uh, it's obviously a very faith driven program. You know, for for those that aren't familiar with kind of the pillars of Oklahoma, now think of a a very similar ideal to Dabo Swinney. There are a lot of um Uh, I guess I would say faith initiatives in in the way Oklahoma recruits. That's a big part of it. And I know that resonated with him, with his mother um, and just the family in general. So I, I think that is part of the equation, but again, it's kind of one of those deals where Oklahoma needs things to get wobbly in college station for this thing to change because If everybody stays, everybody remains, obviously that Texas AM defense is playing well. It's hard to find any flaws, and especially with that defensive line and what they're doing. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a tough sell. But at the same time, if you see it get shaky, kind of like Terry Bussey, a visit back to Norman wouldn't be surprising. And then from there, anything's possible. Mm. All right. Well, as we said, these are some major flip targets.
0: Oklahoma sitting at 27 total commitments for the 24 class, but they'll always have room for the names that we just mentioned. Josh McQuestion, thank you for dropping by the inside scoop. We'll see if OU can get back on track this weekend against Oklahoma State. Thanks for joining us.
1: Anytime, Josh.
0: Appreciate you. All right. So we're doing a live show, right? We're here in the studio. And guess what just happened? A major commitment. The Oregon Ducks, they landed Elijah Rushing, the former Arizona four-star pass rusher, one of the best in the country, just committed to Oregon. Of course, we're live right now, but we have a video up on this YouTube channel right now. Go find it. I'm talking with Justin Hopkins about the Ducks' big commitment of Elijah Rushing. Just picked him up right now. Huge addition. Okay, we're going to get on with the show. It's time to talk a little Texas recruiting. Landing Ryan Wingo, Texas has their sights set on some major flip targets. A few months ago, the Longhorns looked like it was a long shot to land a top five class. Now though, it looks like there's a legitimate path for them to do so. And in this video, we're going to uncover yet another recruit Texas is trying to flip from Auburn. Will the Horns be able to take advantage of a vulnerable Texas A&M commit list? LSU already has. And UF, has two commits texas would like to flip now i remember back in may and june when texas was sitting at 23 or 24 in the country i had jerry hamilton on and we used to play a game called texas's path to a top 10 class to a top 5 class and it seemed a little bit like a distance fairy tale nearly impossible Then Colin Simmons committed to Texas. Then it was five-star Brandon Baker. Then on Wednesday, that was the one that sort of woke me up where I saw the vision. It was five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo. He committed to Texas, and now it does look like Texas has a legitimate shot at yet another top five class under Steve Sarkeesian. All right, Texas fans, exciting time. Subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We are here talking Longhorns recruiting, and we want you to be a part of it hit subscribe. Thank you. Okay. Let's go get Jerry Hamilton from inside Texas for more. Jerry, let's talk Ryan Wingo for a second. How significant was it to land a five-star wide receiver that back in June, you famously said Texas has a puncher's chance, which doesn't sound great if you're a Texas fan, but now
2: they land him. I mean, how did they come from that to this? Yeah, I think, I think what's interesting about that recruitment was Ryan Wingo was on campus in June of 2022 on an unofficial visit. The same week in Arch Manning, Anthony Hill, Malik Muhammad, some of those guys were on an official visit. And Sark personally recruited Ryan Wingo for a long time, if, including through his wide receiver coaching change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they really stuck with Wingo. I think when, you know, we we had kind of heard that uh, I put in an RPM at the time and ended up flipping the Missouri as a mistake, mistakenly probably that, He he actually gave a silent commitment to Texas September 15th when him and his seven family members came down for an unofficial visit around that Wyoming game. I think, look, uh, A.D. Mitchell probably going pro. Xavier Worthy probably going pro. There's opportunity in Austin for him. And I think when you see what A.D. Mitchell's done at Texas under Steve Sarkeesian, uh, and when Steve Sarkeesian kind of illustrates what some past receivers have done in his scheme, uh, that there's – it's easy to – visualize, if you're Ryan Wingo, the chance to come in and be an instant impact player at Texas in that scheme, especially considering he's an early enrollee. I think he really liked that Texas quarterback room, uh, the, the guys the guys up and coming. And on the way, K.J. Lacey in 2025, Arch Manning already on campus, right? Trey Owens in 24, Malik Murphy obviously got his first start Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, last thing, Josh, you know, one of the things that stuck with me with him was he always he talked about, I said, what is it you, you like about Austin? He said, it's a big enough city where I can be get away from being a football player at a university and still have a life. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, obviously, business opportunities in the NIL world in Austin. So I think you put all that together, and it kind of makes sense for Ryan Wingo. And here's another thing. Everybody in that family has gone out of state to play college football.
0: Some really good intel there. Only Jerry Hamilton can take you behind the scenes and let you know that this recruitment was done since September. Wow, I did not know that he was a silent.
2: I flipped flipped my RPM back to Missouri like everybody in the industry did, but at the end of the day, I think he came back to where he wanted to go.
0: Yeah. Hey, you fell for the okey-doke. It's okay. You're not the only Uh, one. Uh, let's go over to Little Rock, Arkansas, where IMG Academy, well, he plays at IMG Academy now, but TJ Lindsey, four-star defensive lineman, an Auburn commitment, yes, another Auburn commitment that Texas is after. We talk a lot about DeAndre Carter. Well, TJ Lindsay told Inside Texas that the Longhorns are still in the picture, so the six-foot-three-and-a-half, 265-pounder has opened up the lines of communication with Texas. Jerry, what is the latest on Texas flip chances here?
2: Yeah, I mean, he talked not just with D-line coach Bo Davis. He also spoke with Steve Sarkeesian recently, too. So that's a guy that's really listening, right? Uh, He's also talking to Miami. Miami's trying to work to get him back on campus as well. So this thing looks like the same three schools involved as when TJ committed. uh, Initially, it was Auburn, Texas, Miami. He was going to play in the SEC. uh, In my estimation, they did pick Auburn but it'll be interesting to see. He's considering taking an unofficial visit this weekend for the Kansas State game. If Texas gets him on campus, and I think this this could get real once again, he's scheduled to be at the Iron Bowl in late November, right? Mm-hmm. So if Texas is actually gonna make a true run at this. They're gonna need to get him on campus before he gets back to Auburn for the Iron Bowl. And Miami's trying as well, which I think helps Texas. It's not just one team coming after him. It's two teams he's still talking to. Probably with similar messages.
0: Yeah, we can see if Miami can also help loosen up that commitment a little bit. All right. Now, we talked last Thursday. Texas is eyeing a pair of Florida targets that they're trying to flip. And Wardell Mack, the corner. And Xavier Filsimi, the safety. Uh, Wardell Mack from Louisiana. Filsimi is from Texas. Now, uh, Xavier Filsimi did not show up at the game this weekend. We thought that he might... So who do you think Texas fans need to focus on here down the stretch? Which one of them do you think Texas has a better shot at?
2: I, I think I think both of those guys, uh, honestly, but probably <laughs> Phil Samee. Uh, I feel, think Phil me probably, right? Because he lives in the state of Texas. His father's going to be in McKinney. His mom does live in Orlando. Uh, but here's the thing: he's really started talking to Texas a lot. He's looking for that opportunity to be an impact safety. Mm. He's scheduled to be at USC this weekend. We'll see if he makes that trip. I think yeah. he's going to show up on Texas's campus before he graduates high school in December and signs on the 20th. I think that, I think Texas has a shot there with Phil Simi. Uh, we'll see if Florida can hold him off. Wardell Mack, I, look, Texas has to get him back on campus for me. The thing about Wardell is he he really likes the idea of being living in the state of Florida and going to college. That's something that Texas LSU have to overcome. Something I think Florida State's still been hitting Wardell on throughout the season. Wardell's supposed to be at that FSU Miami game coming up. So I would say feel, same me, even though Max, the one who has made an official visit to Texas and been in contact with Texas longer.
0: All right, from like one SEC to another that Texas is picking on. Now, Texas A&M commit list. Well, I shouldn't even say Texas is picking on them. It's really LSU doing LSU. some damage here. Yeah. But there was rumors that five-star defensive lineman and Aggies commitment, Dominic McKinley, would be in Austin this weekend. He wasn't. But do you think Texas has a real shot at the five-star from Louisiana? Do we see him take a visit this season?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how the rest of a and season plays out there. Mm-hmm. I think there's enough just unknown with this recruiting class. Now with Weston Davis flipping the LSU, Draylon Miller from Silsby decommitting, looking like LSU's the favorite. Like you said there, Josh, LSU is uh, is doing well against Texas A&M right now in that recruiting class. Don McKinley has been in contact lightly with Texas in recent weeks. He actually reached out to Texas last week, um, just via text, so the, the communication is still there. And, and as long as the, that family and the kid are communicating with Texas, I think Texas is sitting back, uh, and they're going to be in position to make a move there if Texas A&M struggles uh, at the end of this season, and there's more cold feet in that recruiting class, and there's those questions really get ramped up about the future of Jimbo Fisher in College Station. I think at that point in time, if that if that transpires, then I think Texas will be right there in position to make a move for McKinley. Man, that
0: D-line class would be insane if they actually have a shot at McKinley. We'll put that to the side and continue to watch what happens there. Um, Jerry, we are talking a little 2025 here on the Inside Scoop, and certainly a lot more in the coming months. But before we started taping, you told me we got to talk about a 2026 prospect that Texas fans need to know about who was on campus this weekend, and why are we talking 2026?
2: Yeah, I don't hype this stuff up much, guys. I mean, I really don't. These kids are young. This kid's still 15. John Turntine III is a left tackle at North Crowley. Um, And and I've heard a little bit about him, but then here's the reality. He's going to be up for the number one prospect in the country in that class if he keeps going the direction he is. He is that talented. He's 6'5", 290, 82-inch, 83-inch wingspan, 10.5-inch hands, Body quickness, reactive quickness, plays in space. He looks like a senior as a sophomore playing at the highest level of Texas high school football in a nine and O team. John Turntine, the third. I just want Texas fans and recruiting fans in general write to it down. take his Name down. His father was a standout at TCU defensive lineman under Gary Patterson. His mom was a Division one basketball at Texas Southern. Josh. Last thing on him. He's up to be the valedictorian of his class. student, wants to be a neurosurgeon after hopefully a career in the NFL. This kid checks every box at a young age, starting with his on the field. Then he's checking the boxes off the field. It's recruiting fans. Y'all are on the on three uh, recruiting scoop every weekend. Remember that name in the future.
0: Awesome, man. Jerry, only Jerry Hamilton can come in and drop scoop like that and make it interesting. Thank you for dropping by today, Jerry. Talking a little Texas recruiting. You got it, guys. LSU recruiting hasn't been disappointing. No, that's not the right word, but it's been a little slow until now. The Tigers have been gaining traction with Texas A&M commits and targets. Draylon Miller, that's a name that we've been hearing, that we've been talking about since his decommitment from the Aggies a couple weeks ago. Terry Bussey, the five-star athlete, he was in Baton Rouge a few weeks ago, but then he was back in College Station this weekend. So LSU and A&M, Jimbo and Brian Kelly, they are throwing haymakers at each other in the middle of the ring right now. Figuratively speaking, of course, but this weekend – LSU delivered a major blow to Jimbo Fisher's 2024 commit list when they flipped on three five-star offensive tackle Weston Davis. In this video, we're going to figure out if there are more Texas A&M flips in the works, what LSU needs to close out the 2024 cycle, and we're going to talk top 2025 quarterbacks Bryce Underwood and George McIntyre. LSU fans, Subscribe to the On3Recruits page. We are growing this thing. We want you to be a part of it. Hit subscribe for me, please. Okay, let's bring on our expert, Shay Dixon from the Bengal Tiger. Uh, Before we get into the flip targets at the Aggies, LSU landed two corners in the same week. This past week, it was P.J. Woodland and Bernard Causey that committed to the Tigers. Shay, the class is really starting to come together. How did LSU close out on two DBs in the same week? And are the Tigers done at the position?
3: We'll see. And look, these were two guys that were committed to Mississippi State and P.J. Woodland and then Ole Miss and Bernard Causey. Causey's a Louisiana native, and P.J. Woodland's coming out of Hattiesburg, Grove area, so South Mississippi, not too far from Baton Rouge. But anyone who's watched LSU play right now, Josh, knows that corner and the really the DB position is one they want to address. And in back-to-back years, they've gone heavy on the transfer portal, and it paid off a year ago. This year it's been more of a shaky road with them. And they want to go back to developing high school prospects, bringing Mm -hmm. back that DBU moniker. And I think a big way to do that is load up on corners. And they've got a handful already committed. Taking two more was big. And we'll see if they're done because, Josh, remember, Andre Evans flipped from LSU to Georgia. LSU turns around and takes two corners in the span of 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And now we've seen Kai Bates, one of their longtime commits, he was at AM's campus this weekend. So as you noted, uh, LSU and A&M doing some battles right now.
0: Yeah, it's fun to watch. Uh, LSU moves deep into the top 10 with the flip of on three five-star Weston Davis. They're currently sitting at number seven. And I just want to know, what was the turning point? Because this kind of flew under our radar. As much as you've been on this show, we've never talked Weston Davis. So what was the turning point where Davis flipped from A&M to LSU?
3: Yeah, I mean LSU was his first out-of-state offer when it comes to Power Five programs, you know, and really they've stayed on him from the start. And when he committed to Texas A&M at the end of June, leading into it, there was a lot of buzz that it was going to be LSU. People had on three RPM picks on LSU. It ends up going A&M's way, but LSU just didn't stop recruiting him. And I think the success LSU's had on offense. Brian Kelly, the way this program is trending, winning the West in year one, now still alive in Bama week to go again and win the West this season in year two. That's a major deal. The offensive line has played great. And really, I think at the end of the day, a kid from Beaumont, which is right on the border of LSU, uh, or excuse me, Louisiana and Texas, is not that far of a drive. The Golden Triangle is when uh, LSU is recruited pretty well. so. This was a massive flip. Obviously, it's the highest ranked uh, player in LSU's class now and gives them, listen to this, Josh, three years in a row now uh, since Brian Kelly arrived, his first signing class to Weston Davis. Now they will have a five-star offensive tackle in each one of those cycles. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good stat for LSU fans. Now, the logical question they're going to want me to ask you after this is, is LSU done rating the Aggies commitment list?
3: We'll see. I Look, they've got Gabriel Relaford in Louisiana, who's a guy committed to A&M. Dominic McKinley the same. I think their chances might be better with Relaford coming out of okay. Evangel up in North Louisiana. And then you've got the guys you mentioned to start off. Terry Bussey, who's still committed to A&M. Yeah. Draylon Miller, who just decommitted, but's right back on their campus again. I almost consider that to still be like a flip if he ends up in someone else's class. If you're a betting man... I would put the uh the over at a half i think they can get at least one more right i would take that is it draylon miller that's who i would lean to but boy they're not giving up on terry bussy and certainly not giving up on those guys in louisiana and again I go back to a guy like Gabe Relaford on the D line, a position of need yeah. as someone that by signing day could be in LSU's class.
0: Yeah. And a lot of this will also depend on how these two teams finish down the stretch. Cause there are some tough games for both programs. And if somebody can run the table and somebody else struggles, then, you know, it could go either way. So, We'll, keep, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. One thing that I am keeping an eye on is LSU coach Joe Sloan and where he makes his stops. He was on the sidelines for Brentwood Academy 2025 QB George McIntyre on Thursday. He was also there to see Bryce Underwood on Friday. So what do we make of this? How's this shaping up for LSU fans? Do you think there's a better shot at Underwood or George McIntyre right now for this all-important 2025 quarterback group?
3: Yeah, these are the number one and two quarterbacks in the On3 industry rankings, and Joe Sloan's been on them both for well over a year. Didn't even hand out really any other offers at quarterback. It's always been about these two. Mm -hmm. Now that we're inching closer, January 6th, Underwood announces, McIntyre has said he's doing it after that, at some point maybe in the spring. So Underwood, the first to come off the board, I think that's who you really look at right now. I honestly think that LSU has a really good shot here. I will lean Maybe percentage-wise, they've got a better shot at Underwood than they do McIntyre. Now, I'll say McIntyre has three teams really in the mix, LSU, Bama, Tennessee. Underwood seems to be Michigan or LSU, Michigan being the hometown team, home state team, just an hour away. I know there's a lot going on up at Michigan right now, but on the same side, they're undefeated. They could end up in the playoffs, all these things. So it's going to be intriguing to see how LSU finishes, but I will say LSU holding the nation's top offense right now And Jaden Daniels, maybe the nation's best quarterback and in the race to potentially be up in New York for the Heisman Trophy is a big deal to Underwood. So I would lean Underwood uh, with this question.
0: All right. Well, we are also heavy with Colorado fans, and I think they would put their team in the running for Underwood as well. Bryce Underwood did make a visit out to Boulder a couple weeks ago and seemed to enjoy it. So, But I agree with you. I think right now the front runners in this one are probably Michigan and LSU. And like you said, with McIntyre, it's a three-team race, but LSU is the common denominator here for the number one and number two ranked quarterbacks. A lot going on in LSU recruiting. Shea Dixon, thank you for dropping by the inside scoop and dropping all this intel on us today.